Um, so it's good to be back with you. Uh, for those who didn't know, I've been on island time the past week. Um, we went to Florida, went to Sanibel Island, which is where I grew up going and visiting. Uh, this is the first time that we were able to take our kids. Actually, we were talking about this. This is the first time that we, me and Hannah and our five kids have ever been anywhere okay, on vacation just ourselves for a whole week, all right? So we've been, you know, three days or so, but we ventured out and we did it. We flew, all right, with five kids, and we made it back with every one of them. Like, that's a huge achievement. Like, I feel like accomplished this week. Now, we had a great time. It was um, just beautiful down there, um, for those who've never been to Florida, it's a beautiful state, um, but the Gulf side is so much better. Right, just, just saying, just throwing it out there. Gulf beaches, beautiful beach. Um, Sanibel is known for the number one place to go and find seashells. Right? It seriously is. Number one in America to go find seashells. So we have a bunch of seashells that we brought back. Uh, the, the girls really enjoyed finding those, and uh, it was just uh, amazing uh, to find all the you know, beautiful shells. Um, the island's just different. Um, I've been to a bunch of different places around the world, really, and um, this is one of those places that's kind of set apart. They have really done well of not letting it be developed. It's, you know, underdeveloped, and a lot of people are like, why would you enjoy going there? Nature. It's beautiful. Like, wild animals. Actually, this, this year, we didn't see a single alligator, which I was kind of disappointed. We didn't see an alligator. And that's what they're known for is, you know, alligator crossings everywhere, and we didn't see one at all. Um, but it was just a beautiful place, and uh, it's good to be back with you. It's good to make it back. Uh, Friday night, we uh, were delayed first, our flights, then canceled midnight, discovering that our flight is canceled because of weather and no radar. Uh, the tower went down. So forced to find a hotel and then to the next morning rent a car and drive an hour and a half to the nearest airport up in Tampa and to fly here yesterday and getting back at 6 o'clock last night. Uh, so it was good to, to be back because five kids traveling in the airport, they did, they did great though. They really did. So um, it's just good to, to be here. Uh, with you this morning um, on Father's Day to celebrate fathers. Um, as we look to, to fathers, um, I look to a, a man who uh, really modeled what it was to be a father, what it meant to be a leader, what it meant to be a man of God, um, and that's Billy Graham. The greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money, or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. So as fathers, as grandparents, as brothers, as sisters, as mothers, as grandmothers and friends, the greatest legacy that we can pass on to anyone in our lives is faith, is our faith. What will your legacy be like? What faith will you carry on to the next generation? Whether it be a neighborhood kid that may be come over to your house. Whether it be your grandchild or your son or your daughter. What legacy of faith will you 
carry on and pass on. I asked my children this, this week, how do we know that God the Father is good? That's something that people talk about. We talk about God is good, and we even have our own church isms and sayings where, you know, I repeat, I say, God is good. All the time, God is good, right? Our, our church way, like a lot of times we, we can say that and it, it just comes off our tongue, but how do we know that he's good? Or do we truly know or is that just an expression that we say? And so I asked my, my family this week, and Liliana, my 10-year-old who is a fireball who likes to respond and uh, sometimes uh, just says it how it is. <laughs> she was quick to say, well, he died for us. I was like, wow. Right. Yeah. Because he sent his son. She goes on. And I was kind of blown away that she was so blunt with her answers and so honest with her answers. And, and it made me appreciate those who are pouring into her life downstairs and even into her lives. And then I said, but how do you know? Right? Going deeper. How do we truly know? She said, well, it's in the Bible. And she said, and you should know you're a pastor. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. You're right. But it's really by faith. Hey, don't lie, that's right. <laughs> it's by faith. It's by faith that we, we know that he has all those great things that we've sang about, we spoke about this morning, that God is loving. We turn to His Word and see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called His children. We see that He's compassionate, for the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love, that He is giving, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We know that God is, is merciful, and we can have faith that He is merciful because of His Word that to us, He says, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even we were dead in our trans. It is by faith, by, by grace, you have been saved. By grace, through faith, that you are saved. You are also forgiven. God is forgiving. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. We can go on and talk about how the attributes of God and how good He is. We can go on and on throughout His Word. He gave it to us. We can see how He is loving, how He is kind, how He is just, how He is ever-present, how He is our refuge, how He is uh, making all things new, how He is doing all these great and mighty things. And many of us in the world, even in the church world, will say, well, how do we know? It's by faith. It's believing. By faith. That he is who he says that he is. God doesn't lie. If we serve a God who lies, then what kind of God is that? If God is truly bad, then why in the world do we gather in a place and worship him? 
No, God is good, and we can see throughout the story of His creation and who He is. We can see the attributes of God from the beginning of time. And even to now, we can see Him at work in our lives. We can see Him at work in the world. Even though we might see all the the bad things that might be happening all around us, we can see an ever-present God who says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And He is present in our life, and He loves us. And it's by faith that we follow Him. It's by faith that we believe in Him. It's by faith that we can receive Him. And He gives us that faith. We can turn to the Hall of Fame, which really this isn't a, you know, every single person is listed in this Hall of Fame. We might think, well, the Hall of Fame, you know, the reality is is that God is continuing to add to this Hall of Fame. The people, heroes of the faith. We can turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and see a glimpse of, of what it is to live by faith. And I encourage you to do that. But verse 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We, th- we think about faith and these heroes of faith. You think about the heroes of, of your faith of the faith that you have seen and that was expressed to you as you were growing up and being molded into a child, the faith that you saw from maybe a grandparent or a parent, the faith of a neighbor or a church member. Think about that. What made their faith so significant? It's because they had faith in the assurance of things that were hoped for and the conviction of things that are not seen. Many people think that the opposite of faith is doubt. That is not true. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. Think about it. The opposite of faith is sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. For sight. But see, we live in a world where we want to see the plan. We want to see it. Like any architect, you want the blueprints out. Right? Any engineer, you want to see the plan. Any planners, you know, you want to see the plan. Well, we don't always get to see the plan. And that's what faith is. God knows the plan. God is so much bigger than us. The reality is, is if he, can, if he shows us all the details of his plan, it will scare us to where we would do absolutely nothing. But we have a God who is the creator of all things. And through him, he is doing some amazing things and powerful things. And we've talked about this before, is that God doesn't need you. God doesn't need any one of you. He chooses to use us. For God is powerful. He could do things just like that, the snap of a finger. <laughs> but yet he chooses to use us. He chooses us, chooses to be involved and allow us to be involved. 
So the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Dr. Martin Luther King once said this, Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. We want to see that whole staircase. We want to see the plan. But what faith is it if you can see it? That's no faith at all. God is calling us to be people of faith, men and women of faith, to trust Him in what He's wanting to accomplish through us. Our faith in God makes us know that He is who He says He is. And so today, let's turn to Mark, Mark chapter 10. And they'll be on the screen for you this morning, but Mark chapter 10. This is a story of a blind person. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 46. Says this, They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartabaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of God, Son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he spared up, he sprang up and, and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, and your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. See, here he is, Bartimaeus is, is blind. He's a blind beggar. That's what he, known, he was known for. He was a, he was a beggar. He, that's, that was his title and society had given him. He was blind. He could not see. Yet he heard that Jesus was there. Jesus of Nazareth entered. He was blind. He couldn't see, but he heard Jesus. When Jesus enters the room, you can't help to be aware of his presence. For when God enters the room, when God enters into your life, when Jesus enters into your life, you can feel the overwhelming presence of him being there. And this blind man, had, he could not see, but yet he could truly see very clearly that the Savior of the world had entered, that Jesus Christ had entered, that God had came, and he cries out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe you're blind this morning. Well, you're not far from, from the Father. For many people in this world see very clearly 
according to worldly standards. But yet, they are lost because they see all these things. They see all the material wealth that they have accumulated. They've seen all the things that they have done. They see all the riches of the world. They see all these things, but yet they don't see Jesus when he enters the room. For this blind man did not see, but he heard. He heard. He heard Jesus, and he calls out to Jesus. It was by faith that he called out. It was by faith. He didn't see Jesus, but he heard Jesus. It was by faith that he believed that Jesus could heal him, that he could change his life, that he could have mercy on him. He wasn't actually crying out, Jesus, touch my eyes. Jesus, heal me. No, he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. Because he knew that Jesus is capable of doing all kinds of things. And he wanted him to show mercy to him. To show grace to him. To show love to him. And he did that. He did what he said he would do. He touched, he touched the man. He healed the man. And his sight was restored. It was by faith that the Hall of Fame, the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, they weren't literally blind, but they didn't see the whole plan, did they? If you look through that passage, you see Abraham, Noah, different heroes of the faith that was listed. They didn't see exactly what was going to happen. They didn't see all the events that was going to happen in their life. They were unseen, actually. Only God could see. God had the plan, but yet they went with God's plan and not their own. This morning, maybe you're walking blind by earthly standards. You're following your plan, not God's plan. The world might think you have it all together. But reality is, is if you're not walking by faith in Jesus Christ, then you're blind. And you truly can't see. And you will never be able to see on your own. It is through Jesus Christ that he restores our sight to see how we were originally designed to see. To see through the eyes of God. To see things through the image that God had created. For when we look and we see somebody, we see them made in God's image, not defined by the world's image. For the world loves to say things and do things that is opposite of what God is. And we see them and we think, oh, well, that's normal because it's normal to the world. Well, just because it's normal to the world does not mean that it's normal to God. And so... His faith in Jesus Christ. He called out to Jesus. See, when Jesus enters the room, when Jesus walks by, when Jesus enters into your life, it should be different. Like when we truly uh, open ourselves up to the reality that Jesus is ever present in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit, then when Jesus comes in, you can't help but shout his name. You can't help but make him known uh, in the whole room. 
But the reality is, is that we live in times where we, we, we kind of like, I, I don't know if I should shout, like, is it okay? Like, is it culturally okay? Like, is it politically correct to shout, to give an amen, to say that Jesus is here? Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you are awesome. Jesus, you are loved. Like, making him known with the way that you say and express him in gratitude and worship. Or do we turn to our neighbor and say, is it okay to say amen right now? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. See, the reality is you see in this passage is that he shouts. He gives praise. He calls out to Jesus. Have mercy on me. Like there's an exclamation point uh, by, by those lines. That means that he was excited. Was it Jesus? Hey, have mercy on me. No, it's like Jesus in the emphatic tone, like Jesus, have mercy on me. Like, how many of you actually get excited when Jesus enters the room, when Jesus is is present in your life? Or do you turn and look around at how the world is responding to what's going on? We shouldn't turn and look at anybody. We should keep our eyes on Jesus and focus on his presence. The Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, and we should turn to him and make ourselves aware of him, not turn to our neighbor. But the reality is, you look in this passage, it says this, that they were, um, what they, what they do? They, uh, they rebuked him. Yeah, uh, verse 48. said they rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Sounds like church people to me. Seriously. Sounds like church people to me. Oh, you, you calm down. Don't sing a hallelujah. No, no, no. no. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You take a seat. You're getting a little too excited, too rowdy. When Jesus enters the room, though, you can't help it because he went and he said, I'm crying out all the more. I don't care if they rebuke me. I don't care if they tell me to be quiet. I don't care if they tell me to shut up. I don't care if they tell me to sit down. I'm going to tell them, Jesus, have mercy on me. Because Jesus had entered the room. And when Jesus enters the room, when Jesus enters your life, it's different. You can't help but shout. You can't help but praise. You can't help but make everybody else unknown, known of his, his presence. My best friend once said this to me. He says, faith is that part of us that has been given birth to by the future. Faith is that part of us that has been given birth to by the future. Who knows the future? Any future tellers here? No. You might declare yourself as a future and tell her, no, no. God knows the future. God knows the numbers of the, of the days of your life. God knows what is going to happen as we leave this room. God knows. You don't. God does. It is by faith, though, that it gives, it comes a part of us and gives birth to our future. For we, by faith, can be a part of the great story of God. We, by faith, can, can be a part of, of him. We, by faith, can be his children through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so, by faith, what does yours look like? By faith, 
Are you really living for him? Guess what? It doesn't take much. Jesus says the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. He's not saying that you have to have big faith. Just a little speck of faith. Just go after it. Because I believe that faith will grow. He's just asking for you to take that first step. I don't know what God has for you, like his plan for you, each and every detail. Love it. I can't tell you exactly what you're supposed to do with your life. I can't tell you that, you know, you're going to uh, live a long life. I can't tell you all those things. And if I were to tell you that, I would be a false prophet, and I'm not. Okay? I am telling you what his word says is that Jesus is present, that Jesus wants to guide you, that Jesus is your Savior, that Jesus can heal you, that Jesus can guide you and do all these great and mighty things with your life. I can tell you what you are supposed to do in your life is that you are to glorify God and love other people. I can tell you what the truth says, but it's by faith that you believe it. You might want to see all the details of your life before you step out. That's not faith. God's not going to give you that. He's saying, come follow me. Jesus calls his followers, his disciples. He doesn't say, hey, guys, come on. I'm going to take you on a boat. I'm going to go. We're going to go over the other side. It's going, it's going to storm, okay, all right, right in the middle of it. And I'm going to calm it. Yep, yep. Then we're going to go, and I'm going to heal somebody. We're going to touch. I'm going to feed 55,000 people, some crazy amount of number. I'm going to do all these great things. I'm going to, he didn't unfold all the plan to them. He said this, come and follow me. And Jesus is doing that today as well. Come and follow me. And you might think, that's just foolish. Well, guess what? God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. It might be foolish of the world to to live for God. It might be foolish to walk by faith. Well, I would rather be a a fool to all the world. I would rather be uh, brought into the the uh, Draper News Square that they just brought out and be ridiculed and shamed because I'm a fool for Jesus Christ than be brought to the throne of God and say, you are a fool because you never followed me. And so that's a choice that we all have to make. Are we going to live by faith? When Jesus enters your life, you can't help but follow him. You can't help by calling out to him. You can't help by looking foolish in the world's sight to walk in faith with him. You don't have to know every detail. You just got to know who's your guide, who's your Lord. And it's Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to close with a A song that many of you probably know called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. And I don't know if what God's doing in your life. I don't know what He's been doing this week through you. As you've been reading the Word of God this week or uh, just been seeking Him in prayer. Maybe this morning God's saying, follow me. And He's saying, by faith, come, follow me. Maybe you're like the blind man needing to seek him and cry out, have mercy on me. 
a sinner. I need you. We're opening the altar this morning for prayer. If God's dealing with you and you'd like to come and step forward and kneel and pray, come. God, we thank you so much. God, we ask that you would continue to work in us and through us. God, give us faith. God, may we answer your call and follow you.